Hi, and welcome to our show, Forever Paranormal, with your host, Dr. Bill and Ed, where we will discuss such things as cryptids, UFOs, hauntings, angels, unsolved mysteries, government conspiracies and cover-ups, witchcraft, the metaphysical, and more, as well as stories sent in by you, our listeners. If we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. And you may be surprised by what all is connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. Just reach out. Well, hello there, and welcome to this week's episode, where we're going to sink our fangs deep into the legend of the Highgate Vampire. Not too sure about you, Deb, but I know I, for one, am a huge, huge vampire nerd. Shocked. Yeah, from mm-hmm. books to movies, graphic novels, and more. You know, most kids wanted to grow up to be a cowboy <laughs> or a policeman or a firefighter, and I've known a kid that wanted to grow up to be a, uh, the, um, not the Power Rangers, but Dragon Ball the Dragon Z. Ball Z character, stuff yeah. like that. But no, not me. I really wanted to grow up to be a vampire, and I was crushed when I found out I couldn't. Imagine that. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, Deb, so what's new with you this week? Oh, everything is copacetic. How about you? Oh, everything's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Hey, want to hear a corny joke? I guess, sure, why not? Why did Waldo go to see a therapist? I don't know. Why did Waldo go see a therapist? He needed to find himself. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, you're too young to know Waldo, it's... uh, one of those kids find the hidden object kind of things, and yeah, Waldo it, is what you book, find. You know, where's Waldo? Where's Waldo? The guy with the red hat, black glasses, red and white striped shirt. Mm-hmm. That's Waldo. Yep. Okay, so to get this vampire story going, we've got to start at the beginning. Most people think that the infamous Satanic Panic started in the U.S. around 1980 with the publication of Michelle Remembers. That was a book co-written by Canadian psychiatrist Lawrence Pazder and his patient, Michelle Smith, which used the now highly discredited practice of recovered memory therapy to make a sweeping, lurid claims about satanic ritual abuse involving Smith. It consisted of over 12,000 unsubstantiated cases of satanic ritual abuse, Oh my goodness, as I was researching this, I came across many instances where this moral panic reoccurred in society and still does to this day. It's been brought about, it's brought about conspiracy theories on anything from the church to the government and even to Hollywood. I didn't have any idea. Yeah, and it is continuing today and it's starting to make a resurgence, I think, because if you look at any of the paranormal shows or discussions and everything everything's going back to demonic 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 Mm -hmm. you know and and that's the satanic panic mindset yeah and what's funny about that though 
is most mediums that communicate with spirits, so on and so forth, they never talk about heaven and hell. It's just a universal deal. And they mostly believe that you end up where you think you're going to go, or a ghost may get stuck here because his their raising made him think of, oh, I'm going to go to hell. But the, the mediums don't talk about that. But the original satanic panic started in London in early 1970 when two men, David Ferrant, who was the president of the British Psychic and Occult Society, a paranormal investigator, a high priest in the occult and witch's coven. The second man is a self-proclaimed bishop, exorcist, and vampire slayer, Sean Manchester, who also claims to have killed the king vampire who resides or resided in Highgate. He started a written account of ghosts and vampires at Highgate Cemetery through letters sent into the Hampstead and Highgate Express newspaper and front page stories. Yeah, you're right. And But for a little back history on how this could start a panic, one needs to remember that witchcraft was illegal in the UK until 1951 and was a felony punishable by death. So everything was very underground and kept in a coffin from the public eye, so to say. Then, around 1954, witchcraft, spiritualism, and the occult started to become mainstream when Gerald Gardner released his book, Witchcraft Today, and instantly became considered the father of Wicca among the neo-pagan and occult communities. This definitely took the lid off the theoretical coffin, and Wicca was what most people practiced at that time. They called it the original pact with Mother Nature, so to say. The old religion is what it was called in England a lot at that time. But our vampire tale is specifically associated with the western section of the cemetery, which is the older section. This cemetery was part of the Magnificent magnificent Seven that was created around London when the plague and everything was coming around and they needed to bury bodies and they, they created these seven cemeteries. Then in around 1960s, rumors started circulating that occult and satanic rituals were performed there in Highgate. Okay, so now let's get to the backstory of the Highgate Vampire. On February 6, 1970, a man named David Ferrant sent a letter to the Hampstead and Highgate Express newspaper, which was published in the Letters to the Editor section of the paper. The article states that Ferrant saw what appeared to be a ghost-like figure inside the gates near the top of Swain's Hill when he was walking home past Highgate Cemetery. After this, there were numerous similar reports sent into the paper and published. All right, so what did Ferrant see? Well, here is what he had to say in one of the interviews he'd done. I suddenly saw a tall figure standing just inside the top gate of Highgate Cemetery. And it was a genuine psychic presence, entity, apparition. And within a matter of seconds, it vanished. Okay, so what did Ferrant think caused these issues in the cemetery? 
Let's go ahead and listen to another short clip of his. There were a group of practicing Satanists who were using Highgate Cemetery in the late 60s. Yeah, that is definitely true. I'm not talking about theatrical Satanists, like you read about in the Sunday papers. I'm talking about genuine people that are going inside some of the vaults there and performing satanic ritual. Okay, so let's listen to a, another clip here and see if he actually found any proof of satanic worship at Highgate Cemetery. I actually discovered the remains of one of these satanic rituals inside Highgate Cemetery. They cast a, a pentagram on the floor of one of the vaults. There weren't any coffins in it. It was empty. It had a marble floor and it was actually open. Okay, so we heard some clips about what Ferret believed was in the cemetery. But what about the second man, Sean Manchester? who was just as keen as Ferent to identify and eliminate what he and Ferent believed was a supernatural entity in the cemetery. The Hampstead and Highgate Express reported him on February 27, 1970, as saying that he believed that a king vampire of the undead, a medieval nobleman who had practiced black magic in medieval Wachia, which is Romania, had been brought to England in a coffin from the early 18th century by followers who bought a house for him in the West End. He was buried on the site, and later became, which later became Highgate Cemetery. And Manchester claimed that modern Satanists had roused him. He said the right thing to do would be to put a stake to the vampire's body and then behead and burn it. But this would nowadays be illegal. The paper headline this, Does a Vampire Walk in Highgate? Here's a very short clip of what Manchester said on Thames television. There may be a vampire in Highgate Cemetery. Yeah, that was a short clip, but I know it's a pretty bold claim. That's why I thought I, we needed to include that here. But to me, this is pretty much running a good parallel with Bram Stoker's book. I wonder if a ship called the Demeter brought the Romanian nobleman to England. What do you think, Deb? <laughs> I don't know. But it is a new movie coming out, so that'll be good. Oh, yay. Yay. But, you know, later on, Manchester claimed that the reference to a king vampire from Wallachia was a journalistic embellishment. Nevertheless, in, 1980, in the 1985 edition of his book, he also speaks of an unnamed nobleman's body brought to Highgate in a coffin from somewhere in Europe. But what does Manchester say a vampire is? Well, here are a few clips from his many interviews that he had given over the years. A supernatural entity, a demonic form which is born of the devil, indeed the devil's undead, a being which is neither living nor dead, this is the definition of a vampire. This modern word vampire, I mean, the word itself is a difficult word because you don't have to go very far back. Uh, the word didn't even exist. The word comes from Eastern Europe and the general area. And prior to that, when you go back a thousand years, they're really just talking about the walking dead, revisiting the living. So a vampire is thereby a demonic, predatory entity, wraith, being, which manifests as a dead person. 
You know, the first clip, again, sounds like direct quotes from Bram Stoker's book. But then, in his interview with the paper, Manchester offered no evidence in support of his theory. The following week, on March 6th, the same paper reported David Ferret is saying he had seen dead foxes in the cemetery, and the odd thing was, there was no outward sign of how they had died. When told of this, Manchester said it seemed to complement his theory. In later writings, both men reported seeing other dead foxes with throat wounds and drained blood. Ferrant was more hesitant in identifying the phenomenon he had seen. In some interviews, he called it simply a ghost or a specter. Sometimes he agreed that it might be vampiric. It is the vampire label which, of course, is stuck. And why? Of course it is a vampire, because it sounds much more nefarious than a ghost, right? What do you think, Deb? Yeah, but I'm confused how he would go from ghost to vampire. They're two different things. Well, well, he never called it a ghost, per se. He called it a specter, which is an illusional, or not illusional, but like a luminous type of figure. And, you know, if you remember Dracula, he can always go into a mist. So he could, that's a specter when Dracula goes into the mist. Yeah. So this all kind of came to a boiling point in March of 1970. On Friday the 13th, after ITV, which is Thames Television, an independent network that no longer exists, then set up interviews with both Manchester and Ferret, and with others who claimed to have seen supernatural figures in the cemetery. Here's a few clips of what Manchester said during the interview on ITV the evening of the 13th. Satan, get ye behind me and be gone from this place forever. The only certain way of destroying an undead is by driving a wooden stake, like the one I have here, straight through the heart with one blow. Only a few hours after it was aired, a mob of vampire hunters from all over London swarmed the gates of the cemetery, broke through police lines, and began to rip corpses out of the coffins to drive wooden stakes through their chest. Why were there police lines? Because this was on TV and they they were afraid that something like this was going to happen. Oh, they were filming right there? Yeah, and that, that film has been lost, unfortunately. But... Manchester was really calling people out. To, he's going to go do this giant vampire hunt and kill this guy this night in the cemetery. But he didn't. But, you know, here's another little clip, and here's what Manchester has to say. The source, the supernatural source, is entirely um, a demonic entity. By using blood as the base, these particular wraiths can manifest intangible form, hence the blood, which um, was recognized by the ancients, um, certainly ancient civilizations, as the life. Again, to me, this sounds like another quote from Stoker's famous novel. And I think it is a quote that was used, or a line that was used in Francis Ford Coppola's version of Bram Stoker's Dracula, which, by the way, is a fantastic movie if you haven't ever seen it. You need to go see it. The feud between Ferrant and Manchester is just about as popular as the vampire itself. 
Manchester claimed to have driven a stake through the Vampire King's heart in 1973. Amazingly, though, this happened right after each of the men called each other out in a magical duel. The duel never took place, and Mr. Ferrant was arrested in 1974 next to Highgate Cemetery carrying a crucifix and wooden stake. He was convicted of damaging memorials and interfering with the dead remains. Yeah, and but, you know, he was also accused of killing cats and of putting a dead corpse in somebody's car. But he successfully sued News of the World for making him look like a cat killer. I guess you need to make an honest living somehow, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I guess lawsuits are much too wordy to put together and stuff for the likes of an occultist like Ferret. So he also mailed voodoo dolls with pins stuck in the heads to the RSPCA inspector and others who had called for the proce- for his prosecution, just for good measure. And, um, yeah, that's what got him sentenced to five years, of which he served three. But according to Ferret, they tried him for being a vampire hunter. Not any of this other stuff that he did, actually did, just for being a vampire hunter, which, according to him, was not a law that he broke in England. So, I guess, with no duel to settle the matter, the feud between Manchester and Ferret was still alive in interviews and print until Ferret's death in 2019. You know, Deb, even though we always want our listeners to draw their own conclusions about the tales we discuss, I do want to go on the record and say there was, in fact, vampires in Highgate Cemetery. Wait a minute. You weren't there. How can you say that? Are are you kidding? Well, at least the ones from the movies, as the the following three (laughs) films used Highgate Cemetery for some of the scenes. Taste of Blood of Dracula in 1970, Tales from the Crypt in 1972, and from beyond the grave in 1974. And then, you know, if this story does ring a bell to anybody, it might be because the movie Dracula A.D. 1972 was loosely based on this wild, wild, wild tale. Okay, Deb, questions, concerns, comments? Well, I have seen some TV episodes of the continued hunt for paranormal in this and many other cemeteries. It's full of dead people. There is bound to be something creepy, even if it's just your imagination, because most people have, even if it's just a little bit of fear, when it comes to the unknown. I think the odds are good we will hear about this again. I'm sure Highgate Cemetery is not over, but cemeteries are definitely full of dead bodies. But I don't know if they're full of dead people, you know. Well, you know what I mean. I know what you mean, but, you know, it's a bunch of dead bodies. And there may be some spirits stuck around, something like that, you know, for different reasons, as we discussed. And, you know, folks, with this, we're going to go ahead and bring this one to a close. Thanks for listening. And until next time, we discuss another tale yet to be told. One last thing. All clips were used under the protection of the Fair Use Act. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, and remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible, 
to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode, and our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at foreverparanormal.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash foreverparanormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode. (laughs) 